The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Christ. Our Gospel this morning is Luke 13, 31 through 35, and can be found on page 1621 in the Pew Bible. Luke records, At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox that I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because nothing good comes from any other source. Near the end of chapter 9 in the Gospel according to Luke, we hear these words in Luke 9.51. It said, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. In other translations I've heard, he resolutely turned towards Jerusalem. And this is a beautiful way to tell us that once the time for Jesus' crucifixion drew near, there was nothing that could stop him from going to Jerusalem in order to die on the cross. And that everything in the gospel according to Luke between these words, everything between these words and the entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday happens as Jesus journeyed to Jerusalem. This last journey before the cross was a, like a, a sort of a farewell tour. Jesus stopped in various towns and villages so that he could teach and heal and so forth. Nevertheless, at the end of each day, Jesus was a little bit closer to Jerusalem and that old rugged cross. 
And today's gospel informs us that a delegation, a delegation of scribes, uh, you remember who the scribes were, this delegation of scribes interrupted Jesus' journey. And it's weird because they seem to be concerned about Jesus' safety. Did you catch that? Scribes are worried about his safety. And they tell Jesus that Herod is out to kill him. And so just so you know, there's a lot of Herods, but this is Herod, the, uh, he, he's the son of the Herod that had ordered the death of the baby boys in Bethlehem. Remember that account? So um, the Herods were, were bad dudes. The only thing is this, is that Herod was not out to kill Jesus at all. In fact, later on, we read that Pontius Pilate sent Jesus to Herod in Luke um, 33, no, excuse me, 23.8. When Herod saw Jesus, when Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him. He wanted to see Jesus because he had heard about him and he was hoping to see some sign, some wonder, some miracle done by Jesus. Herod didn't want to kill him. Herod was looking for Jesus not to kill him but to see Jesus perform a miracle. He wanted a magic show. The Pharisees had lied about Herod. And it is almost as Jesus called the Pharisees bluff. And they said, hey, don't go there. He said, tell you what, go tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day. And I finish my course. And even so, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. It's almost as if Jesus was saying, Herod knows where to find me. Tell him to bring it on. <laughs> Emphasis mine. He wasn't, Jesus knew what they were up to. This also shows that Jesus understood the true nature of his death. Now, the Bible teaches that Jesus perfectly fulfilled the offices of prophet, of priest, and of king. And today's gospel focuses on the office of prophet. And the office of prophet has, has two parts. The first is teaching and healing, and the second is rejection. And Jesus spoke of both. Teaching, healing, and rejection. He spoke of casting out demons and curing. And then he spoke of his death, his rejection in Jerusalem. And the mention of Jerusalem brought on a profound lament. Jesus, well, he continued to say, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, his heart was breaking, in my opinion, he says, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. 
How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jerusalem was the religious center of the world. It was the place where the one and only true God had placed his name. It was the place where God chose to dwell with men. The altar and the temple were there in Jerusalem, and it should have been the safest place for prophets on the entire planet. And the truth is that the sin of its inhabitants was so great that it was the place that killed the prophets. It was the one place on this planet where no true prophet was safe. And today's Old Testament reading gives a primary example of this violence to the prophets in the ministry of Jeremiah that Ashley read. Notice that the people were not interested in the truth of Jeremiah's words. They condemned Jeremiah because they didn't like the message he brought from God, the people. The people refused to believe that Jeremiah's message was from God. Not because it wasn't true, but because it was something they didn't want to hear. Huh, that's strange. And God still sends his servants today. He trains them in his word, and then he sends them out just as Jesus said in the last chapter of Luke, in Luke 24, 45 through 47. He said, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus as it is written, that the Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning first with Jerusalem. These are the instructions that Jesus gives to his servants. And these instructions are proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Christ's name. You would think that those who claim to be Christians would hear Christ's instructions and say, well, that's what Jesus says, so that's what we should do. But when a pastor says, I need to follow Jesus' instructions and make sure that every one of my sermons tells people they need to repent and receive forgiveness, you would expect his congregation to say, preach it, brother. And when a pastor says our hymns should proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins, just as Jesus said, the congregation should respond with, Amen. So why is it then that in some churches, angry members come to pastors and say, we don't care that Jesus said proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins. You need to move on to another topic. We don't care that this song doesn't talk about repentance or forgiveness or Jesus or any other biblical topic. 
I like it. It's on the radio. I want to hear it. So in effect, those people are saying, just because you are a called and ordained servant of Christ, that doesn't mean that you always have to do what Jesus said. Nothing has changed from today to yesteryear. The people who claim to belong to God still hate it when God's messengers give God's message to them. Now, I know that I don't like it when the Bible tells me that I sin all of the time, that I deserve a miserable life followed by an eternity in hell. I don't like it when the Bible tells me that I am doomed forever. No, I I don't like it even a little bit. But that is what the Bible says. And the Bible is God's word. So it is the truth. And I suspect you don't like to hear that either. Regardless, that is what the Bible says about us. And understanding that is the very first step to our salvation. You see, God has a very peculiar talent. He is able to take the worst that we can do and then convert it into something wonderful. The people of Jerusalem had an absolutely horrible tradition of killing prophets. But God used that horrible tradition to work something wonderful. The people of Jerusalem followed the ancient tradition of prophet killing and arranged to nail Jesus to a cross. And Jesus died on that cross, but God did something wonderful with a horrible death. By means of that death, he satisfied his just wrath against our sins. God transformed that murderous act of hatred into an act of love. God transformed that horrible act into an act that earned salvation for the entire world. And Jesus still wants to gather you. He wants to gather you into his embrace. Just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, he offers the ultimate gift of love that he earned for you on that cross. He offers adoption into his family as his brother or his sister. He offers salvation from the horrible punishment that you have earned for your sins. He offers eternal life in his presence. Prophets die in Jerusalem, and Jesus was no exception. He died in Jerusalem. He died for you, but 
Jesus did something that no prophet before him had ever done. He not only died, but then he rose. And he showed himself alive to hundreds of witnesses. He showed himself alive as sure proof that we can trust his promises, all of his promises. That we can trust his promises that even though we sin daily, he is there with his forgiveness. He is there to assure us that the day will come when he will raise us as well and take us to live in eternal bliss. What joy. Now there will always be times when we want to join Jesus in his lament. It is easy to be discouraged with low attendance at a divine service or the lack of interest in a Bible class or the lack of respect for the sacraments and a general apathy toward God's word. There are times that we want to scream out, don't you people understand the priceless nature of God's gifts? Don't you understand that God wants to gather us together under his protection? And when we have these feelings, God reminds us that no one can make a Christian. It just can't happen. Who makes a Christian? The Holy Spirit does that. So instead, God asks his church to remain faithful to his word, to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins, and to administer the sacraments according to Christ's command, and to teach all the things, all the things that Jesus taught us. And Jesus has warned us that the world will hate us for this. But he has promised that he will sustain his holy Christian church in the world, in this world, and in the next. And as Jesus taught in the Sermon of the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 11 through 12, he says this, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In the name of Jesus, amen.